Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. to a special episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the prescient Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? And before you answer that question, why have you dragged my ass into this show to do an emergency podcast to celebrate the stupid D-bags being National League champions. Like, this doesn't seem... This is just no, stupid. No, no. Is, okay, that's not the news that we're here to talk about, Ben. Not the news. Uh, uh, in case uh, you hadn't heard, Bob Melvin has... Well, he hasn't officially been named uh, the manager of oh, good. the San Francisco Giants, but he's been unofficially officially named the manager of the San Francisco Giants pending physical. Oh, pending the physical. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> but that's why we're here. We're here to talk about uh, the new manager of the San Francisco <laughs> Giants pending physical. And prescient is correct because I do want to uh, point out that on Monday's episode... I did say that it was a done deal. Yeah, and I said, uh, nah. We got to wait until Donnie Ecker is available to to, to interview because um, because they need to talk to him at least once. And, uh, and as you're saying that, are you realizing how stupid that sounds? Like, just, like, let's wait for a guy that has uh, just, you know, <laughs> he's only has like three years in professional baseball uh, to interview him over a three-time manager of the year? Well, I'm not saying, like, they're over him like i'm saying that they you know look they would have interviewed donnie ecker if bob melvin wasn't available at all okay and there's well, they a would very have interviewed good donnie chance ecker if the rangers hadn't made the world series too that is yeah that is true yeah i i think uh, i think probably if the rangers had lost yesterday or the day before they probably would squeeze donnie ecker in regardless of what happens with bob melvin um, kind of sucks to be Donnie Ecker, though, I think, right? Uh, although, hey, you know, a, a bunch of Rangers are turning down managerial interviews because yeah. I guess it's that great in Dallas. Arlington. Well, he could be the me. next manager of the San Diego Padres. You know, we, we don't know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, that's a very distinct possibility. That is a very distinct possibility given given the way that Preller has picked his managers up until this point. And how much he didn't like this one in particular. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. congratulations, Matthew, on on uh, correctly guessing the manager that the Giants will almost get. Because the fact that this isn't official makes me the, pretty positive that given this regime... <laughs> Something's going to be... They're going to find a way. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to find a way to mess this up. <laughs> He's got a he's got a torn Achilles or he's got a bad ankle. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Some doctor's going to come year. in and nix this one and be like, mm, you know, he's a little bit on the wrong side of sixty. Yeah, and a former <laughs> catcher at that. So yeah, yeah. Which of course would be illegal if they were to do that. That's not okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can you can you can say people can't be have a job because they were a catcher. 
Because that does seem like yes. a valid reason to not hire somebody. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not, not, being, not being on the wrong side of 60. The no, better side of 60 that. it is. But anyway, uh, today is Tuesday, October 24th, as we record this special podcast. We're here to talk about Bowmel and nothing but Bowmel, folks. Uh, we're here to celebrate that the Giants have done something that is moving them in a new direction, which I think at this point everybody agrees has to happen. And uh, and yeah, so we're going to do that while drinking cocktails per usual. And we're going to tell you what we're drinking. Don't you worry. But before we do that, Matthew, you can't go one episode without wowing us with your Giants, <laughs> deep Giants knowledge. I only know okay. of two players that ever played for the Giants. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. Uh, but you... You know everything about everything. So hit us with a trivia question, please. All right. So the trivia question is, hearkening back to the 1987 Giants, which uh, Bob Melvin was a member of that team, and uh, they won the National League West that year, won 90 games. Uh, There were three future managers on the 1987 Giants. List them in order of lowest to highest batting average that year. So you have to name all three and then in the order that they were their batting average, lowest to highest. Wow. Well, I do know that Suyoshi Shinjo is a manager of the Oryx Blue Wave. <laughs> so you're going to go with that. That's so, well, yeah, but I don't remember what his batting <laughs> average was in in 1987. When he For was like probably, the Nippon Little League? Yeah. When he was like 14, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Wow, that is a good question. I hmm 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 mm-hmm. hmm. I don't know. I don't know, Matthew. I'm gonna go with um. Well, you just oh, told man, me, spit it out. Spit just, it out. I'm sorry. You just told me that Bob Melvin was on the team, so that has to be there. Bob Melvin. And if Bob Melvin was there, oh man, I know the answer, but I don't want to give the answers away. So I'm gonna say crazy names: Will Clark and uh, Buster Posey. Uh- Okay. <laughs> uh, order of batting average. Bob Melvin was the lowest. Um, yeah. mm, let's see. Uh, God, Thriller and Posey both had good batting averages. Posey, Thriller. All right. All right. We'll Melvin, see how wrong Ben is at Posey, the end of the episode. Thriller. That's it. <laughs> Those are great names. Those are great names. We just pulled them out of your hat. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, catchers and batting averages and i don't know i don't know what happened there isn't it time for the booze boys oh bob's here too just just for this he's not he's you know he came in just for this uh intro and then <laughs> and that's and he's then out, of out of here he's out of here yeah. he's already oh yeah. he's, he's oh no he's he's, he's already waiting. on overtime and hey, so, stop looking uh, at me like that bob Wait, don't look <laughs> at your watch and then look at me i don't get paid enough for this <laughs> Yeah, true, you're not, true. You're not, yeah, you're not getting any overtime. Yeah, there's no there's no extra money for this extra show. Bob. Uh, All right. What are you drinking, Ben? Oh, uh, thanks, Bob. Uh, thank you for asking. That's very kind of you. Uh, Bob, tonight I am drinking a cocktail that is one of my absolute favorites. It's a go-to whenever I need to make something quickly. And that is the Fitzgerald. 
it's, uh, I'm not supposed to tell you the recipe, but I'm going to. Two ounces of gin, one ounce of simple syrup, uh, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice because I like my cocktails sweet. And then because this is still the month of bitterness, Bob, and I know we just hired a manager and we're supposed to be positive, but this is still the month of bitterness. The playoffs, the baseball is still going on. The Giants are not in it. And in fact, in fact, the team that should they should be, Bob, is the National League champions now. And I don't know what to do with that. Just be bitter. But anyway, I'm except be bitter. And I put three dashes of Angostura bitters in here, and then I shook it all up and put in, you know, a coupe glass and whatever. That's it, Bob. The Fitzgerald. All right, he's not even going to say. What are you drinking, Matthew? All right, yes, let's just go straight to that. Uh, all right, Bob, I'm I'm surprised, surprised. I'm drinking an old fashioned, which is also something that I can whip together quickly when needed. Uh, this is a special old fashioned that I'm not going to talk about because it's in the research and development stage for a future episode. Oh, la di da. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, you know. I, it was something I was going to make anyway tonight to kind of test out the ratios, and it's quite lovely. So uh, that's what I'm drinking, an old-fashioned. All right. That's what we got that out of the way. Bomel. It's, it's Bomel. Now, is that, that's, that is what they call him. Yeah, I think in, on Monday's episode, you thought I was making that up, but that's actually <laughs> his, his nickname. I I did think you were making that up, and that's why I went into the whole, you know, Bowmel is the new mojo, you know, with the mojo for the Sopo and the, you know, um, but I, yeah, oh, okay, it's Bowmel. It's Bowmel, you know. And he's he's the new manager of the San Francisco Giants. Huzzah! That's right. That's right. I think I think from now on, I want to be M Hen. Okay, <laughs> or actually M-hen. Ma Ma Hen. How about that? Uh huh. Ma hen. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's I just be hen then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not very creative so, on the nicknames. No, be hen. Uh, mm. All right, all right. Well, so today comes out that Bob Melvin has allegedly been signed as the new manager of the San Francisco Giants. Allegedly, well, like it's know, a Farron crime. Hasn't said a damn thing, so I, I don't know. But uh, everybody else under the sun has announced that Bob Melvin is the new manager, so we're rolling with it. We're rolling with it. Uh, so the first thing that came to mind for me, and and I think we should talk about it a little bit, is what does it say about the Padres that Bob Melvin wants to leave a star-studded lineup for? a rebuilding team like the Giants. He's swapping out like Soto and Machado and Tatis for what? Uh, Wade Jr., Patrick Bailey, and, um, and and Mitch Hanniger? Well, I think it says that the Padres... Wait, Bob, have you left the building? No, he's here. Wait. He's here. Okay, okay. No, turn the mic back on. Don't give me that look. What do the Padres do, Bob? The Padres are gonna Padre. I mean, I think this is a cursed organization, Matthew. I mean, that's one theory, right? And and normally I don't believe in curses. I don't believe in these things. Like I don't I don't think that the Cubs didn't win a World Series because of some goat. And I don't think that the Red Sox didn't win a World Series because they traded Babe Ruth. I think that one 
they made a lot of bad choices along the way. And I think they were unlucky. Um, but I don't know, man. The Padres just feel like that kind of organization that is just never going to be able to win it because, you know, they're jinxed in some way. So I think that's part of it. But what I really think is going on here is that A.J. Preller, you know, last week I asked you, Matthew, do you want to, I guess it was just on Monday, yesterday, two days ago, whenever, I asked you, would you rather be a manager or a hobo that's head of baseball operations? And you said hobo. Hobo, 100%. Right, because I think that everybody wants to be the hobo, right? I don't think A.J. Preller wants to be the hobo. I think A.J. Preller wants to be the manager. And I think he goes out there and he finds these guys. And what he really, really wants them to do is exactly what he would do every single time. And and he's got this his philosophy and he goes out and he tries to find his guys. That's why he had that guy Tingler. And I'm probably the only person on the planet who remembers his name. Jace. And and hired him, but you know, because you know, he was gonna probably do what he was told. But the problem is is that he couldn't get on a phone and call AJ Preller anytime a weird situation came up, and so he had to make some decisions on his own, and they always sucked. Like Tingler was one of the worst X's and O's guys I had ever seen. For you know, like manager is a guy like a manager can't win games, but they can certainly lose him, and Tingler did that just in bunches. Yeah. Just yeah. Just as much as he could. And well, so, so I think that's what's going on here. I think Preller wants to rule everything. And like Melvin is the manager and is like, I make the decisions. And Preller is like, I don't like your decisions. Yeah, and Melvin yeah. doesn't well, like I, that. Yeah, I think, I think, right. I think you're talking about a cursed, uh, cursed organization. I, I don't believe in curses. I think uh, AJ Preller is a symptom of bad ownership. And what's interesting and I didn't know this until I just Googled it. So the owner of the Padres is a guy named Peter Seidler or Seidler. I don't know how you pronounce his name. But what's interesting is that he is the grandson of Walter O'Malley and the nephew of Peter O'Malley. And if you know the O'Malley name, that is ownership of the Los Angeles Dodgers for many years. Uh, so, I'm not familiar with that organization. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, really interesting that uh, the owner of the Padres uh, is so inept, considering that his uh, his bloodline has some pretty good uh, names in it. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, can you imagine a, this is like what the fifth or sixth manager that uh, that A.J. Preller is going to get to hire? Like that's got to be unprecedented. Right. I mean, like how many uh, head of baseball hobos or GMs get to make that many managerial hires. I mean, you know, generally that's a sign that things are are poorly run and eventually ownership recognizes that and makes a move. But no, I mean, maybe AJ Preller has has pictures of Peter Seidler, you know, in compromising <laughs> positions. That's all I can think. <laughs> maybe Peter Seidler doesn't care. You know, maybe he's just getting what he gets out of it, right? Like, I mean, all you have to do is occasionally make changes while the value of your organization continues to grow. Yeah, well, his team was... had a terrible year on the field and they killed it at the box office. So right. what, is, what does he care, right? Sure, sure. That's because they, they did half of what the Giants didn't do. 
right? Because do remember, this is an organization that finished ahead of the Giants this year. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. <laughs> made, it, made it to the NLCS last year. So, so despite all their faults, still better than the San Francisco Giants fair, fair. in many ways. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I mean, they put an entertaining product out on the field. It, you know, at least there was a story to tell. At least the fans could believe that that, that that team was going to win, that they were finally going to break the curse. But I don't know. I mean, this is crazy to me that they could they could be this far. I mean, that he could be hiring this next manager. I, I just I don't I don't get it. And 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 it says a lot to me that Bob Melvin really, really doesn't like this particular, you know, manager because I mean, sorry, uh, head of baseball operations, because this is his fourth team. Right. And, you know, I, I he only spent a couple of seasons with the Mariners, but that was his first job. He spent five seasons with the Diamondbacks and then he spent many, many years with the A's. And I don't think in any of those cases he was let go because he didn't get along with front office, right? So this isn't a Bob Melvin problem. No. This no. very much sounds like an A.J. Preller problem. All right. All right. Well, and we don't and, want to spend uh, yeah. too much time talking about the Padres. Uh, I do want to say it's interesting. There have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven managers that have managed under A.J. Preller, uh, two of them on an interim basis. One of those interim managers was none other than Dave Roberts, who uh, went 0-1 <laughs> as a uh, as a Padres wow. manager. Wow. Well, you know, he would have fired him, too. <laughs> I mean, he would have, right? He would have fired Dave Roberts, too, because Dave would, you know, as soon as Dave wanted to do things his way, Preller would have gotten angry and he would have fired him. And if he does things Preller's way, they're just going to lose. And so he would have gotten fired later. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Fired well, him too. So Bob Melvin to San Francisco, uh, it, it kind of harkens back to the uh, Bochi to San Francisco days. I was actually living in San Diego when Bruce Bochi moved from San Diego to the Giants. And full confession, I had a hard time accepting Bruce Bochi at first because having lived in San Diego, I was not really all that impressed with him. And plus, he was, you know, coming from one of the enemies. And so it just it was hard for me to embrace him having seen him like every day when I was living in San Diego. Uh, but, you know, it all worked out. And and so now we've got this, you know, another catcher uh, with one year left on his contract, getting a getting a, an opportunity to interview and ultimately manage the Giants. Uh, so I started thinking about what that meant for the Giants. And I started you know looking at, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was the coaching staff. How does the coaching staff uh, look with a Bob Melvin run team? And the first thing that I thought was, Ben, does this mean that Sarge is going to be a giant again? Ooh. Ooh. That is a good question. Matt Williams as a giant again. Matt Williams wearing a Giants uniform again. I mean, that makes it worth it just to think about it, right? I mean, that's... I mean, I mean if, if nothing else, he doesn't have to wear those god-awful Padre City Connect uniforms anymore. Because <laughs> Matt Williams and Pastels was just wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a really good question. I do... 
I do think that is very, very interesting because I think if you were to put Farhan Zaidi and Matt Williams in the same room and they're like, yeah, just the presence of those two philosophies in the same room, I think it would cause an explosion. <laughs> and so I, that is a really interesting question because I, that is just Matt Williams is an old school and he's about as old school as they come kind of guy. He really doesn't like, you know, line changes and he really doesn't like, you know, all kinds of the things that the, that the Giants did. And, uh, and I think he was vocal about it, too. Right. I don't think he was a big fan of Kapler's approach and Kapler's approach is Zaidi's approach. So that is really, really interesting. On the other hand, yeah, he was part of Bob Melvin's staff. And and I think that's one of the great things about Melvin is that Melvin is very clearly a guy who bridges the gap. I mean, at the same time, Melvin is very into analytics and folks, Melvin will platoon platoon players. Yes. So if Farhan Zaidi is going to serve him green eggs man he's gonna put ham out there you know what i'm saying like (laughs) like that is what bob melvin will do he would prefer yellow eggs but if he gets green eggs he's slapping down the ham you're gonna have platoons with bob melvin if you have platoon players i'm sorry that's just the way it is on the other hand if you give him everyday players who are good defensively are average against one side and wallop the other side then yeah, he's going to play that guy every day. And and so so that is a good sign and he'll hire coaches like Matt Williams. So ooh, that's very oh god. Hmm. Man. Wow. 18-year-old 16-year-old Ben is very excited. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I feel like the the applause that Matt Williams would get as his first game as a giant would be would be huge. And uh uh so that that's something to think about and to but also just the idea of the coaching staff uh, definitely is something to consider. And I don't know if I know enough about, you know, both coaching staffs to kind of say how that will meld together. But I do know that the Giants liked some of their current coaching staff enough that they considered them for the managerial position. You know, you had Kai Correa, Mark Hallberg, Alyssa Nikon, uh, you know, all getting interviews for the, for the managerial job who are, you know, theoretically still on the Giants coaching staff. And so, I, it'll be interesting to kind of see if there's any melding of the two staffs that uh, that happen and and how that will move forward. I'm particularly interested in who is the hitting coach or who are the hitting coaches. And now they baseball now is starting to evolve with this term offensive coordinator, which you know is kind of weird, you know. But uh, you know because I think that's what the, the Padres had. And uh, and so Don Ecker's position is at the Rangers. Yeah. Right. And so, well, what what will that look like with the Giants and who will fill that role? Because both both I think you can make an uh, an argument that the hitting coach of the Giants and the offensive coordinator for the Padres had down years this last year. They certainly did. And that is. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. This is like one of those things where I think, you know, fans like me are, are just, you know, I don't know squat. I, I don't know. I don't know at all it, it, what goes on behind the scenes. You know, like, I don't even know what a hitting coach does. I mean, do, you, you know. Pretty sure talking, they, they talk to them about hitting. <laughs> and and maybe, elaborate. 
Go deeper. Uh, and what, maybe what situational specifically? hitting and shapes of mm. pitches and uh, what to look for and plans when you're hitting against a particular pitcher. Um, that's all I got. I don't know. And and maybe maybe like a little bit of, um, you know, just guessing. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I this is a really interesting topic because I have heard that people – talk a lot about that but i've also heard that brandon belt you know got a little bit frustrated and fed up with that and really just wanted to, to like see ball hit ball mm. and uh and, and so sometimes i wonder if if these guys get into trouble because they talk too much yeah. um but then i also wonder if they get into trouble because they preach one approach instead of like what you just talked about like how do you approach situational hitting I wonder if that's what happened to the Padres this year because you do look at their you look at their stats and they're like they're they're uh, hitting with runners in scoring position was atrocious and it was particularly bad if you look in, in certain months when they were just really really struggling and and so the question is is like is that something that's controllable is you know is how you perform when a runner is on base. Is there something that's different from that than when there isn't a runner, isn't a runner on base? Because it seems like the answer to that is no. <laughs> that's what everybody wants to say anyway, right? Like, no, there's no difference between the two. If you do see a statistical difference between those two situations, it's just bad luck. Yeah. But one has to wonder, is it really? I mean, I don't know, especially if it drags on for a full baseball season. Is it really bad luck? So I, I don't know, because maybe that comes down to situation, right? Maybe you shouldn't be trying to hit a home run every single at bat, especially when you have a runner on third with less than two outs, right? Maybe the approach should be, although if you hit a lazy fly ball in that situation, that's great. But if you strike out, that's not great, right? right? Striking yeah. out with less than two runners on, with less than two outs with a runner on third is a not a great situation and that does seem to be the kind of baseball that people are playing today and strikeout rates are up and so so maybe that is why uh and so maybe that's what the coaches need to change i guess it's all a long-winded way of saying like maybe they need to bring in somebody else who wasn't any of those guys or gals right yeah and i so that will be interesting to see how that 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 plays out uh so stay tuned on the coaching staff so the next question that I have for you, Ben, and I feel like this is one of those like where the pieces have to fall into place, you know, to have a good offseason. And and last on Monday, you asked me, you know, if the Giants just sign Melvin and Yamamoto, is that a successful uh, offseason? And we both unequivocally said, no, that's right. not it's not enough. But I so now, though, with now with this hiring, I, I'm just wondering, like, are the Giants going to go big this offseason? Like, like, is there going to be like a push to like just throw in all your chips and it's going to be, you know, I mean, is, dare I say, Otani in the play, you know, for something like this now? I think, yes. I think they're going to make a huge run at Otani. I think they're going to make a huge run at Yamamoto. I think they're going to make a... I think they're seriously considering uh, Young Hu Lee as well. And yeah. I think they're probably envisioning getting all three of those guys. Right? And I think Melvin is a big part of that. 
right? Because this is a guy who has played with with Asian players, managed Asian players. Uh, and, and he's also a guy who's done really well with young players and with teams of with players who are, you know, maybe need to develop at the major league level. Yeah. So so I think he is a really good fit for that approach. I mean, but as you and I have noted, like that's really the only way they can go big, right? In the offseason, unless they trade for people, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's also, I mean, one of the wrinkles now with Bob Melvin coming over is uh, is is Blake Snell is a free agent. That is true. Uh, and uh, had a great season with the, the, the Padres this year. And could possibly be the Cy Young Award winner of uh, this year. So could that be something where maybe a relationship there could bring someone like Snell in as well? That's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I think on starting pitching, I think, I don't know who else there is available, but Snell is is one of the guys. That is a really good question. I like, I mean, you know, I don't like them going out and getting like a bunch of starting pitching because they already have a bunch of starting pitching. If they don't turn around and then trade some of that starting, yeah, pitching. I mean, yes, I'm mean, obviously you have to figure out De Sclafani and Stripling and all that. But if you if you sign a Blake Smell, Snell, you're going to figure that out. Right? I think I mean, you bounce those two guys. I'm not talking about those losers. I'm talking about Win. <laughs> I'm talking about Beck. I'm talking about you know. Okay, guys, who have not, I'm talking about I'm talking about Mason Black. You make room like, for Blake Snell, Ben. All right. Yeah, yeah, you make room for Blake Snell by trading away these young guys to get something good back, and and who cares about stripling and disclafani okay, okay. All like, right. who yeah. cares about those guys so beck like, and win you know, and wisenhunt for some nice you know middle infielder something anything you know i, I mean i don't want to go too down too far down this rabbit hole yeah yeah we but could since talk about i'm that the negative yeah. since i'm the negative guy i was thinking about this and you asked me do the giants go big and i was thinking well the giants really haven't done and i said we need to trade people i'm like but the giants have never really traded for any big names yeah right yeah. And then I said to myself, what what have they done in terms of player development that's been good in a big way at all, Ben? And I was like, starting. Pitching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, they haven't. You you keep thinking that these retreads that they pull off of the, the, the dirt heap is like a big thing. No. Yeah. They've 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 found some they found some diamonds in in the rough. I'm talking about when have they gone out and gotten the big guy? via trade, via free agent signing, or landed somebody like a Corbin Carroll, you know, the rookie of the year to be, the yeah. possible MVP to be, the possible World Series champion to be. Like, anyway, so when you say go big, I'm like, Farhan Zaidi like, can't go big. He's never gone big. Yeah, I, but I feel like, you know, the possibility of losing your job may change you know, your philosophy on going big. So I, I feel like this is this could be the beginning. And, you know, you called me at the beginning prescient. I'm telling you that there's going to be some big signings this offseason. I hope so. I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't know how many big signings there are to have, quite honestly. And, and there are so few that they almost need to get all of them. All right, so one a few things before we wrap up because this isn't going to be a full hour episode, but you know, uh, one of the things that I did want to talk about was just the juxtaposition between Kapler and Melvin. And uh, you know, when I was kind of thinking about that, a couple of things came to mind that we were critical of him this year. One of them was 
uh, protecting his players. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. not getting thrown out of games, not really going out and, you know, giving it to umpires when they were clearly wrong against his players. And uh, and so, you know, it was funny because I started looking at that and almost right away there was some evidence on social media of Bob Melvin getting thrown out for arguing a strike one call or against uh, Tatis the Jr., <laughs> And, nice. you know, and, and he comes out and he argues that, I mean, there's, it's on social media, maybe I'll post it on Twitter, but there is, uh, you know, he comes out and he basically says it wasn't just Tatis Jr. This was like, he had missed some calls, I guess, in previous at bats and he comes out and he says, you've missed every single one. And there's like definitely a video of him telling him that. And I just, you know, that kind of, of leadership, I think is something that has been missing from the giants where the manager is going to be like, I'm in it with you guys. And I know your struggles and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to advocate and argue for you and I'm going to get thrown out of the game. And and I feel like that that's an underappreciated part of of managering uh, managering. I think I just made up a word uh, of of of, <laughs> of being a manager. Uh, and And I feel like this could be part of that culture rebuild within the Giants where the manager is 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 standing up for his young players, especially uh, as it relates to, to, to umpires and calls and things like that. So that's one. The other one was just, you know, how uh, Gabe Kapler is uh, not very good at addressing his team at being, uh, you know, part of the, the team environment. And, you know, by, by some accounts it was, he was better one-on-one, but he wasn't someone that was going to get up in front of the team and do rah-rah speeches and things like that. Well, also, which I tweeted out today on our giant cocktails, uh, tweet or X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, uh, was that, uh, there's, there was an interview with one of the Oakland A's players a few years ago, where he basically says at one point, Bomel fired up the guys in the dugout and started telling him what they needed to do. And uh, in no uncertain terms and that it fired them up and they were able to, you know, come back. And so I think that kind of leadership, the fiery, this is what you got to do leadership is is it's going to be a welcome change for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I, I, I just looked at the video that you were you were showing and, and uh, yeah, he definitely he definitely got in the umpire's face and, and was very clear uh, about what what he didn't like and uh and yeah i I mean i think i even heard or read somewhere in the past where they were just like kapler was just like oh they just don't do that because they just don't see that it's necessary or that it matters and they just don't like to do that sort of stuff which is of course ridiculous i i mean you know human beings are human beings and when you call them out on their their failings especially if you say that they're being one-sided about it they absolutely will react to that and they will think about it. So, so, and Bob Melvin clearly knows that. The other thing is, is that it doesn't really matter whether the umpire is even listening to you. It's about what your player hears. Yeah. Right. And and that was one of the issues that I had with, with with Kapler not going out to defend Schmidt. And when he did finally go out there to defend Meckler, in those those cases in, in late in the season, was that that was for those guys to hear. Right. Because otherwise, because then they know that their manager believes in their approach and believes what they're doing and has their back and they don't have to continue to just flounder and find their own way, which I worry was kind of the approach that they did have. Right. You showed up. I mean, this is one of the questions that I had 
what happened when a rookie shows up in San Francisco? Yeah. Like who, 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 who made sure that, that, that he was taken under their wing and then shown the way. And, and, you know, like they, they put all these coaches out there and made them available to them. Right. The breathing coach and the stretching coach and the, you know, and I'm not necessarily knocking any of those things, but how's a kid who who's not been with the organization supposed to know even what to do with those people? And and who was telling them how to do that and what to do? And, and maybe maybe they had a structure in place to handle all that, and maybe that wasn't an issue. But the way the players talked about it, you know, how they were left to their own devices and they kind of just got to do their own thing, makes me think that maybe there wasn't. And that's really bad. So, yeah, I, I think I don't think that that's going to be the way that Melvin does things. No. For sure. So at the yeah. very least, if that was, wasn't happening as well as it could have been, it will be happening that way in the future. So yeah. absolutely. I also feel like that Pasoy games are probably uh, in the rearview mirror. Uh, going I yes, I would agree that uh, that if you're in the clubhouse, you're you're it, when you're at work, you're working. Right. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, you it, put it that way. I think Pasoy is kind of like the uh, you're an I version of playing solitaire on their computers, right? Like, like, <laughs> that's you know, that's right. That's right. That's right. Or, or watching Netflix. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, to, to, to wrap this up, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I didn't want to overlook is that, you know, he's got some pretty great lineage as a giant, you know, three years during some years where there were some real giant legends, you know, as part of the team. I mean, he was teammates with Mike Kruko and Will Clark, you know, who are both still with the organization in active roles. Uh, teammates with Matt Williams to the point where they're still uh, coaching together, you know, and those kind of things, I think, really uh, drive home the fact that he is a giant and uh, and 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 loved by giant greats. And so I think this is uh, you know, I, nothing but a good thing that uh, the Giants uh, are getting Bob Melvin as their next manager. Absolutely agree. And he's a Bay Area guy. Yeah. You know, right. And uh, and so. You know, spent those seasons with the Giants, managed the A's for all those years, but also yeah, grew, grew up in Menlo grew, Park, uh, went right. to UC Berkeley. I mean, yeah, he was a he's a he's a Bay Area guy. And so this is a great thing for the Giants. I agree. I mean, it checks so many boxes. You know, this is just I, I think this is about as good as it could have gotten. And I mean, it even checks some of Farhan's like, he's worked with Farhan before. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. It, you and, know, and, and really does have that balance between the analytics and old school stuff. I, I don't think you could have had a better person in that respect either. So exactly. Exactly. All right. Ben. I'm very well, excited. Yeah, me too. Very excited. And so I think that uh, this kind of wraps it up. Uh, time for the trivia question answer, I think. Uh, so if you recall, the question was there are there were three future managers on the 1987 Giants list them in order of lowest to highest batting average that year. Yes, that's right. And so I you, said, yeah, what did I you said, say? I said Chris Brown, Jose Uribe, <laughs> and Rich Aurelia. That's right. Those that's, were my answers. Okay. If I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't remember correctly, but it doesn't really matter because you were wrong no matter what. Uh, <laughs> the answers were in order of batting average Matt Williams, Bob Melvin, and Bob Brenly, and uh, uh, Matt Williams hit 188 that year, uh, and he was listed as a shortstop 
by the way. Yeah. Uh, Bob Melvin was a do- uh, hit a buck ninety nine just under the Mendoza line, and Bob Renly hit two sixty seven that year. Uh, so Bob Renly was the starting catcher, and Melvin backed him up. So uh, three future managers on that team, and uh, yeah, only one. <laughs> Hit uh, hit hit his weight. So anyway. well, the one the one that hit the lower batting at the lowest batting average though was the better was player. An, yeah, was an absolute beast, and the other two were lucky to be in the same you know vicinity. Absolutely, absolutely. But I thought it was fun. It was a fun little uh, kind of trivia nugget there, <laughs> uh, and you never would have guessed that Matt Williams would have had the lowest. Batting no, average. I would not have guessed that. I would have gotten that wrong for sure. But I mean, that was like was that his rookie season? Uh, yes, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember. I, but, I know yeah. that he struggled early, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, just like, well, struggled worse, apparently, than, you know, Casey Schmidt. Yeah, right. Uh, Patrick Bailey. Exactly. Great right? example about how, you know, things can turn around. So we'll see how that all plays out this next exactly. year. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up, uh, folks. Thanks for listening to our emergency or breaking news podcast. Uh, uh, We don't do too many of these, so it's kind of uh, fun to jump in in the middle of the week. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and like if you haven't already. Follow us on the socials at Giant Cocktail on Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon and Threads. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Uh, on Thursday for our happy hour episode. And then of course, again on Monday where we'll probably talk more Bob Melvin and any other giants news. So uh, thanks for listening, Ben. It's been great chatting with you on this Tuesday evening. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye everybody. Adios. Pelota. Thank you for listening to the giant cocktails podcast until next time. Bottoms up. Pending physical. (laughs) Of course.